welcome to Learning Curves with Liz. Together, we will explore an array of sexual and sensual ideas, discover and embrace our authentic selves, all while meeting interesting people along the way. Life is full of twists and turns. The growth and joy is in the curves. Candid convos about life's biggest lessons and finding your bliss with Liz. Welcome to episode one of Learning Curves with Liz. So for my very first episode, I am bringing to you my dear friend, Jessica Childs. She is a fellow sex and intimacy and relationship coach and someone that I met in a recent training program. We got thrown into a one-on-one where we could work on an exercise and we just really hit it off and she felt really, really warm and inviting and I felt very seen and just very, very comfortable. And I'm sure as you listen to this episode, you might get that vibe too, because she just oozes, just oozes this pleasure and beautiful feeling of just being around her. Since recording this episode, we've also been able to meet in person twice and it's just been incredible. She is just so authentic and constantly smiling and laughing and sharing so vulnerably and being just Jessica. She's just Jessica and she's incredible. And so on this episode, some things that you can look forward to hearing are conversations about boundaries and raising kids and finding your pleasure after illness and using food as pleasure and how great that can be. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and please follow her and and I hope you enjoy. Oh God, how to start. <laughs> I mean, we're recording. <laughs> okay. Do you want to introduce ourselves and talk about the podcast for a minute? Like set the stage a little bit or no, not that? Sure. I'll probably record something beforehand okay. and then I'll probably just cut this stuff out and then we can hop into it. Right. Um, that's how I'm thinking about it, but we can leave it organic. I don't know. I don't know. I like the whole organic thing. This just is what it is. You know, I mean, the entire name and the premise of the podcast is learning curves. So all of this and the chatting that we're doing right now. Uh, guess what? It's a learning curve because learning the technology and learning how to start a podcast and, you know, introduce a guest and the entire thing is a learning curve. So totally. um, I'm kind of about it. So uh, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Hi, Jessica. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing really well. How are you? Good, good. So um, Jessica is someone that I met in a training program that has definitely greatly changed my life for the better mm-hmm. and is opening lots of new doors, not only making new friends, but making new peers and being exposed to lots of new people. So I'm in my own learning curve. Um, but Jess, I'll let you uh, say a little bit about who you are and what you you know currently do and what you're shifting into. Just have at it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, Liz. Thanks for thanks for inviting <laughs> me to uh, share a little bit of what's going on with me. Um, I am yeah. an intimacy and relationship coach, as are you. Um, mm-hmm. I arrived at this role after a long life <laughs> so far. Um, particularly, uh, I had a, a chronic illness that that really took me down for several years. And it was uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically, it was just challenging. Um, And in the aftermath of that um, kind of devastating physical experience, um, I realized that the, the amount of healing that I could accomplish through um, allopathic medicine or any, any kind of sort of medicine model, medical model, um, was kind of completed and the rest was up to me. So, um, one night I was laying in bed, really it was the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep. Um, and I started listening to podcasts and I think it was a mama Gina. Do you know who mama Gina is? No, Uh, she's like a, a women's like sensual, power, you know, instigator. Um, I don't really know much about her work, to be honest. I know people who follow her. I just happened to tune in for like five minutes and, and heard people talking about sex and about Mm. feminine nature. Um, anyway, that kind of spurred me into this thought process around, wow, I really haven't 
I really haven't like felt like a sexual being in years because I've just been so, you know, kind of bogged down with all these physical symptoms and kind of fears and, you know, all these neurological yeah. things. Cause my condition was neurological in nature and, um, and what, and so, yes. So I realized that this had happened. I was like in this space where I had no real relationship to my sexuality. And it occurred to me that, Oh, maybe I should, you know, use that as an avenue to kind of gaining my health back. And so I started kind of poking around and reading, you know, articles and, and getting familiar with, um, what was out there in terms of, you know, reigniting my connection with other people and in intimate ways. Um, and I very quickly kind of found myself at the point where it became totally clear and obvious that, the sexual nervous system is a portal to pretty much every aspect of your life. Like literally, I can't think of anything that, mm-hmm. that, you know, becoming more um, embodied, more aware and more, you know, connected to how you approach sex in such a close proximity to other people. I can't think of anything that that does not contribute to the rest of your life, you know, and And benefit. Yeah. So I like, I like dive, I dove, dived, (laughs) I diva. Does anyone, (laughs) you diva into (laughs) sexuality, like completely and wholly. And it has just, wow, transformed my whole life, you know, challenging relationships with my family, my children, my mother, you know, um, you know, even social awkwardness, all of that, all of that, my, my work life, the way that I approach my money, the way that I approach everything Mm -hmm. has been completely renovated, completely overhauled. It's a different type of connection, right? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, the reason why I do this work now, as opposed to just like, in, you know, in my life is because, you know, it, it became so important to me that I, mm-hmm. that I wanted to pursue, you know, you can't see my fingers on audio, but I'm doing the rabbit ears. <laughs> I wanted to pursue mastery. I wanted to pursue mm. it as far as I could. And, uh, and I realized the real value in connecting with people on it. You know, they say that the only way to master something is to teach it. I don't really consider yeah. my, myself a teacher. I consider myself more of like a connector or a sharer. So mm-hmm. does that answer your question in a long diatribe form? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love long format. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, you know, what you were doing beforehand, as far as like, I mean, unfortunately, what we do for work is such um yeah, work, rabbit ears, <laughs> air quotes. Uh, what we do for work is such a massive part of the time that we spend on this planet and the energy that we exude. How did you transform not only this personal growth just within yourself, within your body, within your heart, uh, within your mind, but how did that facilitate things outside, you know, with like a work aspect and what you were doing beforehand and what has this brought as far as change of your overall life in the shift yeah. into this type of work that's a really as a job yeah <laughs> yeah as like a career what i yeah um i have a background in neuroscience early mm. on i have a, a bit of experience in the music industry working uh, with management and touring Mm -hmm. and record production and record, um, you know, record releasing record Mm -hmm. labels. Um, And then let's see, what else is in my background? I, as a side piece, I kind of went into, (laughs) uh, to food. I I love, I love food. I actually, I love sensual pleasure, just period. And food is like, (gasps) Yes. Give me that. That's a good distinction. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I went into food on like, you know, in the evening, I would just like, I attended culinary school in the evening 
Oh, cool. And then when I got done with that, I just say, well, a lot of little things happened all at once, but I got into the food business. (laughs) I met my partner, my current, um, my current partner, who's actually my husband, we're married, but I like to use the word Mm -hmm. partner because it is um, always a negotiation, right? Um, Yeah. And so let's see, blah, blah, blah. So yes, we started a kombucha company. We were in business in the food business and then we had children and then boom, I got sick, just really, really sick. So my career totally stalled. I had to hand over everything to my partner. Um, and Um, I was literally in bed for a long time. And then I had small children. So it's been a, it's been a, a climb back to where I am now. So really in, in terms of this career, um, I was, I guess, fortunate enough that my partner was able to manage me not working. It has not been easy. It's not a, yeah. it's not a, it's not a, you know, a casual little boat right on the river. It's a challenge no. and getting back to work is really important to my family. Um, but yeah. this time around it, it became very clear to me that, uh, that the things that I have been doing have led me here. So this is, uh, you know, I, I could kind of go into that more. It's all kind of centered around like, how do we as humans live, um, live out the, the most, like the most growth oriented, the most pleasure filled, the most you know mm. connected and connected to me equals ease and pleasure and joy. Yeah. Right. So how do we get to that? And for, for me, this mm-hmm. work embodies that those principles. Yeah. Some people just, you know, really thrive in other yeah, my, my partner, for instance, thrives in a very different way than I do, but this is my thrive. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. It's the more I talk to people like yourself and my own partner, it's amazing how clear it becomes mm-hmm. that the value of this work, yes, it's centered around sex and relationships and intimacy, but it's life. It's life. That's everywhere you know every interaction that you have is a communication is a connection Mm -hmm. and when you can sink into this work and you it's 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 like an aura bubble that you kind of take on Mm -hmm. and you decide to move through life in a certain way through life with with bound like respectful boundaries Mm -hmm. and better communication skills better connection skills and that connection is not just with yourself like that's where it starts with this type of work is that connection and really attuning to your own self and your own wants and your own needs but that's a human thing that's not like you know when you hear the word sex it's so stigmatized especially in this country it's just like oh i want to go to the bar and find some chick and and one night stands and like i want to you know orgasms and stuff like that i mean not that there's anything wrong with doing that but you can do that yeah Yeah, you can do that in an eloquent and respectful manner that isn't going to like degrade your soul or the soul of the other person like you can take these tools and live and cultivate whatever often is on authentic to yourself but like like you said even your relationship with your children Mm -hmm. like you don't necessarily think about, oh, seeing a sex and relationship coach is going to change my relationship with my children. That's a little uncomfortable to hear, but this work goes way, way, way deeper than like finding your orgasm. And yes, it is that too, which is amazing, but it's like learning the ABCs of how to relate Yes, and taking that and applying it. Mm -hmm which is just the beauty of it. And it's so, so, so incredible because connection is everything. And when you're blocked and you're not connecting, yeah, you're stressed, you're upset, you're depressed, you're miserable. I mean, you could go on and on with different adjectives that aren't authentic and happy. Yes. And you were talking about, you know, going out with the intention of getting laid, which is 
fully wonderful, but there's a reason why people wind up, you know, feeling awkward the next day Mm -hmm. or, you know, around like feeling they need to go out and do it. There's a reason for that. It's because they're not going out and getting laid is fantastic. I fully encourage it, but getting actually what you want out of those interactions is what is what the interesting point is. I think a lot of people get stuck thinking just getting laid is the goal, but getting laid is like, that's like point B you want to get to Z, maybe, you know, you want to feel, you want to feel all there is to feel in that quick connection. Right. Like, and you can, and you totally can totally can. I mean, that's the thing is for so many people, like the end goal is the orgasm, right? I'm just going to go and, and, and find that orgasm. And I mean, I think when it comes to things like that are like quickies, one night stands or anything, that's that just like rapid fire kind of thing. There's a lack of depth mm. to it in in a sense, because it's, yeah, you might be getting the orgasm, but at the same time, men more so than women, like than women in those situations. So there's an emotional thing. Yeah, it can still be fun and amazing and all of those types of things. But like, it's like, it's like, like the film on top mm. of something like it's you you've you've just gotten that little bit of taste of something when you could like have like the entire custard totally the custard is amazing <laughs> I just, yeah, really to bring it back to food yeah and i love and i love how you related that because i mean for someone who has um not struggled but obviously it's a part of my my journey you know the struggle with food like food is absolutely a pleasure so i want to thank you for like giving a little deshamifying around food because hell yeah food's delicious it feels good but there is also an element to that that is like you know going for the quick orgasm like i love ice cream i'm gonna sit down and have that bowl of ice cream and then i'm gonna feel awful afterwards it's the same again like sex and food are completely different and not connected well they can be (laughs) you know but it's that same like quick like quick addictive fix like you want that quick pulse of that like adrenaline and serotonin and everything but then the fall off doesn't feel good yeah it's how do you pull that through like you can make yourself an amazingly delicious salad and sit down and savor every bite and afterwards you're like that was incredible mm-hmm. and i feel amazing and i feel amazing <laughs> and, it, and it's and it's totally like my actions are also really aligned with my values you know i, mm. I also have a bit of a food journey that i have been mm. on and i still am on um, and the yeah. two are totally similar. You're 100% right. Because like when you go to food, are you actually meeting the need? Are you actually yeah. satisfying the actual core craving here? You know what I mean? Like Mm-mm. it's, it's the same principles mm-hmm. can be applied there. I think it's so beautiful that you shared that, that yeah. brought that up. So thank Thanks. you so much. I want to know where <sighs> you come from this. I have like, mm. I have put my soul into this computer. Will you please, please reciprocate? <laughs> give me some of that story nourishment. What's your story? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so I come from a background of working with animals actually. Wow. Yeah. Cool. I followed my dream. Like I am one of those people and I'm, I love saying this, like I've lived my dream. I had my dream job. Um, and I worked with um, great apes, specifically chimpanzees. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So I've always had a fascination with psychology and like animal nature and connection because there's always a breakdown like in the animal world. Working with great apes is very, 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 very different than working with a lot of other animals, simply because of the level of intelligence and the greater connection to humans. I mean, they're our closest relatives. So it's like working with like little nonverbal eight-year-olds. I mean, nonverbal in the sense that they don't speak English, you know, but they have a language for sure. So, I mean, I can say I had friendships, you know, and that's so people have heard that and they're like, you know, and like, but it's not something that many people can understand. So it can be a little lonely and it's like, sometimes I'm like, did that really happen? And people are going to think I'm lying or, you know, you have that like little, 
like reverse imposter syndrome because I know I did it. I right. <laughs> being believed is like what? Because it's so wild. But anyway, I loved that. And then um, as things go, um, people can suck, jobs can suck, and I left. Okay. And I moved back home. I went into veterinary medicine after that point because I love medicine. I'm very, very cerebral. So things that I can, you know, and then I love learning as well. So I loved learning veterinary medicine. I got to work with <clears throat> cats and dogs and small pocket pets and stuff. So it wasn't exotics, which is not my, <laughs> like bunnies and, you know, gerbils and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And, um, so I went through that journey and kind of the same thing. I wound up uh, getting myself in a hospital that did amazing emergency work. I found some amazing friends, but it was a very abusive situation. Um, the, I mean, physically, because I was being thrown around by the animals because we were understaffed and overworked. I mean, we would see so many so many so many appointments so a lot of my journey comes from me learning some hard lessons yeah with how i will be treated mm -hmm. um setting boundaries and i'm someone who's a go-getter so anytime i was like oh let's do this this will make things better you know i was never in a position to do so and the shift people would get pissed or the office manager would get pissed and i'm like i'm just trying to help you know yeah. so i'm one that will definitely speak up and i always want to make things better for people so at the same time i was being abused at that job mm -hmm. you know our jobs were threatened on a daily basis and we were screwed screamed at and like jumping over each other and coming in and having a half an hour to do 15 treatments on animals with IVs like it was not good it was not a good situation I was also in an abusive relationship oh my so I had a double whammy I was living at home with my parents mm -hmm. I had no personal like I, I felt like I had no autonomy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my ex was very manipulative. He cheated on me for the first couple of years of the relationship oh. and lying. And no, I'm not seeing her, you know, so and I, I chose to stay. You know, I've since been in therapy. I've worked through all the trauma of that. Why was it that I stayed? What was I seeking? Mm -hmm. Breaking down of the fairy tale, all that type of stuff. And I thought that I was saving him and I, I could handle it and I was tough enough and I had the tools I could save him. Like, yes. We can build him again. <laughs> we can rebuild him. You know, that type of thing. And, you know, was sexually repressed. I wasn't allowed to have sex toys. As far as he was concerned, I had no sexual history before him. Mm -hmm. um, and I just played into these things because I just saw what I wanted yeah right yes and you're trying to fold yeah. your situation to meet the vision exactly that you had. i get it exactly i tried to make him something that he wasn't yeah so that was my own that. stuff and so i Maybe left the abusive job this isn't is oh yeah not like when you're young you kind of have to do some like floundering yeah. around with things so yeah well that's the learning curve learning you know curve. that's yeah, exactly exactly yeah so i left the abusive job i was already doing pet sitting on the side and i was just like i'm miserable i can't do this mm -hmm. i don't have rent i was living with my parents like i just took the leap mm -hmm. and i made my own business so for the last seven years i have been my own boss running my own pet sitting company oh, cool. um Neat. i yeah, yeah. About eight months after I left the job, after many coaxings of me saying, I left one abusive relationship, don't make it two. Please find a therapist to my partner. He didn't. Um, and I left him as well. Okay. And then I came back. And then you came back to the relationship. No, I came back to myself. You came back to yourself. Mm. Yes. So I went on a whole journey of just, I had a lot of decompressing to do. So it was a lot of alone time, a lot of reading of books, tons and tons and tons of podcasts, which to me was me finding other people, but men specifically, who had a level of emotional intelligence that I resonated with. So hearing healthy situations, hearing men talk about situations in a way that I was like, oh my God, I agree. Oh my God, thank you for saying that. So I had this whole healing process mm -hmm. through all of that while in a very isolated situation. And 
I didn't have sex for like a year and a half. Celibate for a year and a half. Yeah, I was. I didn't want to deal with anyone's bullshit. Hear that? I didn't have the bandwidth for it. I had nothing. I was so my meter was so empty. Mm. I had nothing to give other people. Yeah, or my or myself at that time. So it was just I took this time, and then finally I started to like awaken again. You know, I think a lot of people feel called to take breaks from mm-hmm. relationships, but they don't know how mm-hmm. to do it. How did you do it? Like, how did you kind of like, you know, deal with some of the, what, what came up for you and how did you deal with I, it? There was no other choice. I literally like I wasn't lonely. I just knew it's what I had it. I had to do because I just mm. I knew I didn't have anything to give. I had nothing to give. I was mm. so like hollow. I wasn't there anymore. I poured everything into him and everything into that yeah. job. So I don't even think I don't remember it even being a struggle or you just paid attention. You tapped in and paid attention yeah. to your own inner compass, yeah. your own inner wisdom. Yeah. And you just said, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah. And I was, there was definitely a level of, I know I have a lot to learn for myself as far as boundaries and figuring out what I will and will not tolerate in relationship. So Mm -hmm. I, when I started to go put myself back out there and I got on dating apps and I mean, I still did not want a relationship. I, even Mm -hmm. before I met my current partner, the conversations I had with him, I was like, I do not want a relationship. I am not looking for a relationship. I am open to the right person, air quotes, or a right person or a fit for me. Um, we'll clarify that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a a right person. Um, but I was not looking for a relationship. I was still, I was very cautious. I got very um, good at vetting people for their own men- mental and emotional health because I did not want to okay. find myself in a codependent relationship again. You got good at vetting yes. people for their own mental, emotional yes. health. Yes. Wow. That's that. I just kind of want to take a pause <laughs> and just like, wow, just put some bookends on that and say, you know, really assessing mm-hmm. who you're with. And are we, are we compatible with our mm-hmm. values and our, and our experiences and our needs and what brings yeah. us, you know, joy? Can we, can we do that? Cause not everybody, no, a lot of people can, is a person yeah. that can work yeah. for you, you yeah. know? It's a, yeah. it's a tall feat, so first- you know, and I always said, oh, I'm picky, yeah. I'm picky, I'm picky. And yeah, like, okay, I'm picky, but picky isn't bad. Picky is knowing who you are and what is going to work with you and what is attractive to you, you know? So right. even that was something I had to move for away from saying like, oh, I'm picky because then that automatically it put like, puts like a red flag up on your head. No, I'm not picky. I just certain. know who I You're connect with. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and knowing who you connect with and not, not trying to connect with people, not mm-hmm. like going out of your yes. way, try to connect with people who aren't, you know, compatible mm-hmm. with you is a gift. It's a yeah. blessing to everyone, saving so many people heartbreak, yourself, other people, just kind of knowing what, what it is that you want to experience in relationships yeah. and, you know, sticking to that. You know- like it yeah exactly like and i've always loved like toys and stuff like like i can meet my own sexual needs to a degree i am great being alone Mm -hmm. i'm not someone who like i i have a very few very close friends that i don't even talk to all that often who we will get back together Mm -hmm. and it's like nothing changed i'm very good Uh at having those like stable you know, we've talked about like relationship and attachment styles and stuff like that. Like I'm, I have secure relationships with my friends. So Sweet. if I can have secure relationships with my friends, I can do that in relationship that goes beyond the sexual boundary. Because to me, that's the only difference in your sexual partnerships. You know, I mean, mm. there are varying degrees of how people can think about relationships. And I know that's going to vary for every individual, but crossing that sexual boundary that's going to be someone that i think i they are a friend they are a friend they're in my heart mm-hmm. they're in my soul no different than you know any other friend that ha- 
is not on that boundary kind of a thing. And then you can yeah. put layers on top of that. Do you cohabitate? You know, do you share finances? Do you have children together? Like there's obviously very like additional layers that you can put, but you can also cohabitate with the best friend and, and do all those okay. types of things. So w- figuring out just what that meant and what I was truly looking for. So my journey took me into me finding my bliss, which is, you know, the whole mm-hmm. tagline. And, um, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that took me on a journey of, figuring out what I liked sexually. What did, what did that yeah. mean? Like, do I like, you know, am I more submissive? Am I more this? Can I find someone who is actually going to listen or that I'm even going to feel comfortable speaking up to? Because that was really hard. And it's hard for a lot of women, you know, speaking up like mm-hmm. this feels good. You know, don't do that. There were so many situations, you know, throughout my life that I found myself in where I was like, oh, that doesn't feel good, but I'm just going to like, eh, okay, it'll be over soon. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. I'm gonna make them yeah. feel good about what they're performative. doing. Yeah, it was so right. performative. And I and I know I don't want to speak for all women, but I know that that is something that a lot of women resonate with. You know, sex is very mm-hmm. performative and it's like if you've watched porn, it's like, you know, guys want the sexy lingerie and, and all that, which I mean I love too. It's fun. I love like dressing up and, and stuff like that. But you know, figuring out what really made me tick, which obviously resonates with the work that we do now, because we want to help other people figure those things out. So I started I found myself on FetLife and I started looking specifically for sexual partners that were compatible. So I started on the other end of it and kind of worked my way back into the more intimacy, like like intimacy, like relational type ends of it. So I found people who I could literally say, I'm not looking for a relationship. I don't, you know, I never said this, but like, I don't want your drama, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. But like, I'm looking for friendship. So I started to learn how to have them one in the same, but not take Mm. on like a partner per se. So I had met people who were like, okay, yeah, that's great. I'm not looking for a relationship either, but like, let's learn each other. Let's dig into what each of us wants in a sexual way as if we were partners, because who doesn't want to have better, more fulfilling sex? And I'm not about one night stands and stuff like that. Not that I have anything against them. They're just not me. I like to connect with people on an intellectual level. So that's what worked for me. And I did that for like Mm -hmm. three years. And it was mm-hmm. amazing. Amazing. <laughs> that sounds delicious. It sounds very nourishing. Yeah. And it sounds like exactly what you wanted to explore at that time in yeah. your life and pay perhaps Yeah. And yep. And then I found myself enjoying a specific kink and sought out someone to specifically share that with me and mm-hmm. found my partner. <laughs> <laughs> so, gotcha so they crossed the boundary from friend yeah. with benefits or benefits with friend yeah. or to like the next yeah level yeah so we just started happy. like hanging out and as his daughter puts it we never stopped so we just still just always hang out <laughs> and um Wait. we've been together for three years and you know when you come together in a sexual way first and that mm-hmm. is kind of all compatible. And you come in saying, like, I want to have whatever this is with you in a respectful manner. And I want to communicate on a different level. Um, it's coming into a new relationship completely wide open. This is who I am. Yeah. This is what I want. And, like, it was really liberating for both of us. And we weren't even looking Mm -hmm. for a relationship. So when we, the more time we spent together, we realized like, oh, you're my person or, you know, you're, you're one of my people, like, you know, you're a little piece of me or something like that. It was, it was really clear and, you know, the communication's incredible and the intimacy is incredible and we can talk about, um, you know, things in in a way that I've never had in relationship before. And even going through our training and everything, it really shines a light on how much deeper it can go beyond that because we've really had to utilize some of the tools 
in our relationship now as we've been together for three years and as all relationships do, they're not all ups, you know, there are some difficulties and, but that's what a relationship is. It's choosing to communicate through those things and choosing that person to continue with Mm -hmm. at every step rather than like, okay, I've had enough, (laughs) you know, that's the difference. Like he's my best friend. And so you choose. So that's basically my, not my journey in a nutshell. And this is something I've always been drawn to. I've, I am always the person that people go to, to talk about sex and relationships. And I love talking about sex and I'm like the sex toy educator everywhere I go. And so this is just kind of natural for me. Um, nice. but yeah, so now I'm a sex and relationship coach and meeting all of these amazing, wonderful people like you, Jessica. And, uh, thank you for flipping this around and, you know, interviewing me here. Like, wow. <laughs> I was dying. I know. You know. I was dying. It's so, you know, it's really hard for me to feel in connection mm. with people unless it feels like a true dialogue. Like everything that I share, I kind of want to like feel mm the other person's perspective on it too. And I want to feel their relationship to what I've shared, you know? So it's, it's really important to me that you will, you know, that you, um, that, that it's important to me in my relationships that my friends and my partners and the people that I, you know, bring into my inner circle are people that, um, that feel balanced in that mm, way. You know, like so true. I, I enjoy caretaking and I also love to caretake my friends. So thank you. For sharing. I love that though. I mean, that's why I love these types of conversations and why, I mean, like we've had a limited amount of time to get to know each other, which is why I was just kind of excited. I'm like, let's just go in, <laughs> let's figure out who yeah. you are. And like, you know, this is literally yeah. Jessica and I getting to know each other on, on a deeper level past like a 20 minute exercise together, <laughs> which I'm excited. Totally. We'll also be getting to meet each other this weekend. Yes. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Socially distanced and outdoors, yes. and I'm fully vaccinated. So, am I. so. yeah, so cool. I, I but it's, I'm really looking forward to that because I mean, especially with COVID being the last year of our lives, no one's really been doing very much. If you're seeing people, it's kind of like the very few people that you've kind of always seen in your little bubble. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, so but it's like I'm I'm ready. I'm like ready to be social. I'm like I have my my meter's so full, but I'm like I'm waiting for the crash on the other side. Like okay, <laughs> I need to take some space. Yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. I that. Yeah. After the, in the beginning of this, um, you know, kind of being shut in in your house and connecting with people in these kind of different ways, it was a little bit nourishing for me to to have the excuse to just kind of stay to myself. It felt really good. My family. Um, but as it goes on, it's definitely becoming like, okay, I've, I've, I've actually kind of like recouped some of my, you know, kind of transient losses over the years. And so now I feel really resourced to like be with people. And I'm really excited about the, you know, about healing from this global crisis. Really. You said something there that's, I think, so 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 important and I'm really grabbing on to that because I had a conversation with a mutual friend of my boyfriend and and I a mutual friend last night about you know your your capabilities to show up for people you know we were talking about venting and mm-hmm. offloading and stuff like that and it's like you can't pour from that empty cup And I think that's so, so important. And so this friend was talking about, you know, their partner complaint, you know, basically offloading and venting all the time and like him, like, I want to like tune it out. And like, it's like, he was like, am I a bad person that I have to regulate and tell myself? No, don't say, I don't care. Or I don't want to hear it. And Uh we're like, no, you're not a bad person, but it, means that maybe there's a boundary you can set there's a communication Mm -hmm. that can be had and I actually you know I talked Mm -hmm. to him about it I was like you know if you're able to if she'll be receptive you know you can say you know I really want to show up for you um but right now I I don't have that to give to you and 
I don't want to do a disservice in showing up for you like I know you want me to and how I want to. Can we discuss this later? So, you know, there is something to be said as far as taking that time and like refilling your cup like let the let the sink fill back up a little bit and then you can show up the way you want to and like I totally resonate with that because I'm like yes like I feel like I can show up now it took a long time and that's that's kind of what I did after I left that relation those two abusive relationships I had nothing to give yeah I totally hear that you know another thing about setting you know sometimes these kinds of dynamics evolve because the boundary setting is not happening in yes. real time. So for instance, this, I mean, this is totally throwing spaghetti at this wall, <laughs> but it applies to some situations. Yeah. I don't know if it applies to this one, but, um, but in certain, in some situations where a person becomes habitually, you know, uh, offloading kind of constantly, constantly offloading mm-hmm. it's, it's in relationship to the receiver. Yeah right? So the receiver is receiving it. Mm -hmm. The offloader is offloading it. And the offloader may get a sense of like connection just by this giving and receiving that's happening. Mm -hmm. Right. But, but it's not actually, it, it, it may feel awkward to the person who's doing the offloading as yeah, well. Yeah, because they right? know. But they don't know how to navigate. That. I was that person. Right. I complained the all thing. the time and I could, I could tell, and I'm right. like, Oh, it's it's that same thing. Like if you've ever caught yourself like, oh, I know I'm railing. I'll shut up now. I know you guys don't want to hear it. If you've ever said something like that, you're recognizing Mm -hmm. a boundary that you can set and that they probably also would want set as well. But it's learning this language. You don't have it. And those conversations, even something like that is really hard. Like, has anyone ever said that to you? I mean, it's so it's so out there, but these are tools for every day. And like, it's, it's that right there, you know, and that applies to little things all the way up to big things and left and right and all the way through the center. It's yeah. hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> it's these tools yeah. that you learn to navigate through the sexual nervous mm. system that applies to all relationships, right? Yes. It's like, it's like you were saying earlier with the, with the women who are socialized to endure, mm-hmm certain touches or certain frictions or certain whatever's that they don't actually enjoy. Mm -hmm. Right. But they don't know how to set the boundary. The other person, mind you, who is doing all of the, you know, the, the incompatible touches and incompatible frictions is also suffering. They, you know, they, they very well likely are perceiving that it's not working fluidly and easefully and joyfully but they don't know how to shift it. They don't know if they even should because they're not getting the feedback, right? So boundary setting, as we've discussed many times, is such a gift. It is a gift sexually. It is a gift in friendships. It is a gift in family. Boundaries are how we say, I love you enough to want to feel good with you, right? Yes. Oh, I love that. But people don't see it that way. They see it as I'm not giving what the other person needs or I'm not getting what I need, you know, but then you're bordering into, okay, well, then you need to evaluate respect in in those situations. And is this, you know, there's, there's more conversation to be had than as far as like active listening and receiving and all those types of things. But these are all the tools. I mean, it's a practice and it's difficult especially coming from a culture that socializes us to be really concerned with other matters in an imbalanced way right we we are all brought up in in an academic setting or most of us are brought up like math Mm -hmm. and reading and social studies and history and geography Mm -hmm. right all these subjects zero sex (laughs) we should be trained from the elementary mm-hmm. level to, uh, yes. to recognize our own, you know, feelings, our own emotions, our own boundaries, know how to state them and trust that the other person is also operating with the same operating system, right? Like yeah. I respect you, yeah. right? And, and like, that should just be a core part of the curriculum. Then we wouldn't arrive as adults who need to pollute the planet or need to go to war or need yeah. to do all these things that are really you know, just perpetuating the yeah, trauma. Absolutely. Right? It's like kindergarten. kindergarten. Like, I mean, and that's like my dream. I'm actually going back to school in the fall. Um, and then like, I want mm-hmm. to go back and I want to be someone who can implement and 
and sort to teach these things on a level and like to, uh, it's so daunting because it's like then you have to like talk to lawmakers and schools and stuff like that but like it is mind-boggling to me how there isn't like it literally just in kindergarten i mean i, th- I guess they're learning a little bit because it's like keep your hands to yourself and like please and thank you thank and you stuff like that but but as you get but all that stuff is like it's rule yeah, based not relating right? like based rules. Exactly. It like you don't have to keep your hands to yourself if the other person wants to be touched. True. Right? Like that's the that's the thing is like, does this person want your hands on them? No, well then don't put them. If mm-hmm. they do, then feel free. But then we've also you know, put this boundary on it that it's like if you're under 18, it does not matter. You know, so there's a whole thing. But there is something, you know, like once you reach a certain age, there are different layers you can start stacking onto these conversations. Like once, I mean, once like puberty starts to set in and hormones and stuff like that. And like, you know, bodies start to change and things start to shift like early teenagers and things like that. And definitely before that, there's other things you can have, but you can start having these conversations about consent and consent. Isn't just, you can put your genitals in mine or you can touch my, that's not what consent is. Consent is even just talking to someone, like we were just saying, the offloading and venting, like you, you should be able to consent to receive someone's anger and stress and stuff like that. Like emotional consent is what needs to be That's talked right. about. I mean, at, in equal to, you know, physical consent and stuff, um, for sure. But there's so many conversations that need to be had and things that need to be taught. So many and we're not having so I, so I have two points. That's right. And in fact, we are we are um, infusing our child rearing with with a structure that does not allow them to even yes. learn these concepts. So there's a there's mm-hmm. a concept in, in child development called rock yeah. and tumble play. It's probably in children's oh, yeah. too, right? And this this thing where I mean, I have two boys, right? They are constantly mm-hmm. wrestling each other and and pushing each other's physical boundaries in ways that definitely make me feel like, oh my gosh, what is happening? But I I've researched, mm-hmm. I've read, I have talked, I have discovered that this play right here, the ones where they are actually kind of hurting each other sometimes, necessary necessary to figuring out what people's boundaries are. So kids who are growing up with adults constantly policing any kind of physical Mm -hmm. engagement they're having, they are creating the conditions where they, where people do not know how to read the emotions of others. They're being stopped from reaching the point where the other person has a feeling that they're, that they Mm -hmm. need to defend. Right. So this is, this is, if you are getting into this work, I, um, I applaud you. I am so delighted to hear it because (laughs) we need so many more voices saying kids need to just, they need to fight. They need to, they need to mess each other up a little bit in order to learn how not to do it when the stakes are higher, right? Weapons in their hands, when they have strength behind punches, right? Yes. And alcohol in their systems or like all of that. So I just want to kind of put a little point on this because um, for anyone that does not have kids, this is this is an animal thing. This is across the board in the animal world. And for somebody who out there, you know, again, might not have kids or definitely probably hasn't been exposed to, you know, young chimps or anything like that. But if you have cats or dogs, if you've ever had two puppies or dogs of of any age, puppy or kitten or anything like that, that is their teen stage. It's the same exact thing. If you have two kittens or two cats, they have to learn and they have to be rough. And the those personalities if one goes too hard the other one's gonna be like or something like that that's how the other learns okay that's too much I'm not gonna do that if if I want to continue to be engaging in this play I need to back it down same thing across the board so for those without kids you know puppies kittens animals of all ages it's across the board and I mean yeah so that is kind of what we're talking about and we're animals. And that's the other thing that I love bringing into this is like, we are animals. Yeah, we have, you know, 
bazillion different languages and computers and stuff like that. But when we break it down and we close our eyes and we get into our emotions and our feelings, we're still animals. So mm-hmm. we have a lot to learn. <laughs> we do. And Liz, I would like to take this opportunity right now to explore a boundary setting mm. in the context of this. I am loving this conversation with you so much but I feel a a boundary with time coming upon me. We both have a meeting to attend in about 15 minutes. (laughs) So I want to share my boundary lovingly. And I think you might have the same one. Am I hearing that right? We're on the same wavelength here, Jessica. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. I would love to continue this conversation in another podcast or on the side, whatever you Uh, want, we can schedule it. And I would be so delighted to continue chatting with you, Absolutely. You read my mind. I also wanted to offer you the last couple minutes here. If you want to um, tell us where people can find you, what you're doing, um, everybody shower Jessica with some love. (laughs) Shower me love. Yes, I have a Facebook page. It's Oracle Intimacy and Relationship. I also have a website, oracleintimacy.com, where you can read my blog posts about different um, sex and relationship topics. You can learn more about me. You can schedule sessions with me. I do individual sessions and I also do workshops. So occasionally you'll see, you know, posts on my social media or on my, um, my website, my offerings in that way, but feel free to come join the conversation, chime in, chat with me. I do a lot of just sort of chatting with people about these topics because it's important to me and I love it. And I do have another venture coming up, um, on Thursdays around lunchtime, I'll be doing lives. Oh, that's exciting. I will announce that. So everybody come follow me on Facebook. That is how you will stay abreast of the work that I am doing. And I would love connect with thank you. you for setting your boundary lovingly that was beautiful i appreciate it as well <laughs> thank you jessica for being here and everyone go give her a like and a follow and i hope we will all see her again on here because this was a lot of fun thank you so much for joining me this is great thank you Liz. thank you so much Whew. okay that was such an amazing conversation. I really, really love Jessica's energy and her whole entire vibe. And especially since meeting her, she's the most warm and inviting and very intelligent and present and stimulating human being. And I really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. And so I know she just said it at the end, but I wanted to reiterate, please, please, please go send Jessica some love. She's all over Facebook at Oral Oracle Intimacy and Relationship Coaching on Facebook. And I know all of her links are there. Um, she did mention she's going to be starting to do Facebook lives as well as she does clubhouse chats on Wednesday nights with me, um, as well as one-on-one coaching and some workshops that are coming up in the works. So again, that's Oracle Intimacy and Relationship Coaching on Facebook and um, oracleintimacyandrelationship.com. And yeah, check out her Facebook, hook up with Jessica and really dive into her because she's, as you heard, she's awesome. I want to thank you guys for listening uh, to episode one of the reboot of Learning Curves with Liss. I've got some really juicy conversations in the works, so... I hope you will give a little follow and follow me as well on all social media, learningcurveswithlist.com. All the links are in there to find me. And um, our next conversation, I gotta say, we're getting juicy. We're getting juicy, juicy. We've got a lot of good stuff in the works. Really lovely, interesting people coming your way. And uh, I hope to see you guys again. Bye. <laughs>